everybody, it's Joe Power Farms, the ladies working dog group. Are you feeling stuck with your gun dog training? Trust me, you're not alone and that's exactly why you need to be here. Every week, we're bringing you the best tips and hacks to make training your gun dog easy peasy. We'll keep it straightforward, no fuss, just actionable guidance that you can put straight to use. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of LWDG Poddog. This week, we're going to be talking all about to clip or to slip. The argument around whether we should have a harness or whether we should have a collar. Joining me for this week's podcast is the amazing LWDG group expert, Jem Martin. How are you today, Jem? I'm very good, thank you, Joe. How are you? I'm really interested to have this conversation. I'm really interested in our listeners' points of view on this because it is, I don't like to say the word argument, but it is one of those like sort of argued debates, isn't it? Like, should my dog be in a harness? Should it be in a current lead? Should it be in a slip lead? Do you see this argument going on as much as I do? Yeah, yeah. It's all over Facebook um, and it's probably a question we get asked a lot by clients on what they should use on their puppies and dogs and is this one a good one or is this one a bad one or what is best so yeah there's a lot of confusion I think I absolutely agree with you on this one because when I like walk into just even to any like thing like pets at home there are hundreds of harnesses to choose from it almost screams this is the sensible choice put your dog in a harness in your sort of experience what are the sort of like significant advantages and disadvantages of using a harness as opposed to a slip lead or a collar well obviously the the main one the main advantage for using a harness would be that if your dog has got any sort of neck injury or anything that prevents you putting things around its neck or it's got breathing difficulties then yes I wouldn't be suggesting use a collar and lead or use a slip lead or whatever a harness might be the only option for those dogs in all other respects if you've taught your dog to walk nicely on a lead it shouldn't really matter what you use my only issue with harnesses is that we find on the whole a lot of dogs can be quite averse to having them put on which tells me that they're not that comfortable and there is a lot of research that goes into looking at um, stride length and, and confirmation things that happen when dogs wear harnesses for a long time causes physiological differences and changes in the dog which I don't like if we look back in history the dogs that used to be in harnesses used to be dogs that were put in a harness for a reason weren't they like uh, a sled dog so that it could put its weight into his shoulders and pull. The bottom of a dog's neck is the strongest part. It can pull quite a lot of weight forward with it. Do you think that we've sort of like taken the harness from dogs wearing them for uh, a working reason and now just gone, oh, well, every dog should be in this harness? Yeah. Um, I mean, my background is working with heavy horses. So they used to wear harnesses all the time to pull things because it harnessed their whole body weight um, efficiently and comfortably so that they could use it to push forward. So, yeah. Yeah, that is what harnesses were designed for is harnessing power harnessing weight so i'm not sure at what point we decided they would be good to put on a dog that pulls because it's just going to make it really really easy for the dog to use all of its weight behind um that pulling but there is i think a massive misconception in the whole dog world at the moment that anything that goes around a dog's neck is aversive and horrible but a, a harness is the really kind thing to use and it's kind for your dog and you know it doesn't have any negative effects whereas we know that that's not entirely true when we look at physiological things that happen with our dogs yeah because i've seen the images sort of like especially where the harness comes across the front of the shoulders 
where a it rubs but also it stops the dog like you say taking strides forward so we're actually we're actually altering their walking gait don't we yeah yeah they, they, it changes the the studies that show it they, they shortens the gait of the dog massively so as i said i've got nothing massively against harnesses and i would never say to someone i'm not going to train you if you're going to use a harness because that's down to the individual's choice um, but they need to understand that these harnesses can affect their gates um, and if I was going to use one it would definitely be one of the y-shaped ones that is shown to be slightly better at not affecting you know their, their movement and stuff yeah because the y-shape is not holding back the movement of the front shoulders no do you think I suppose actually I don't even know why we went away from collars and leads because every every person I sort of knew put their dog in a collar and a lead. Even if it wasn't a slip lead, it was a collar and a lead. I don't still, I don't know when harnesses became fashionable. I think it's definitely in the last sort of 10 to 20 years that they've just erupted everywhere. And like I say, I think it's because they're seen as the kind and friendly option to put on your dog. But I've probably met more dogs that don't like their harnesses being put on than are eagerly queuing up to go out in them. So when we look at sort of like collars, like a collar and lead, it isn't some, it isn't a dangerous way of, of walking your dog, is it? I think any tool can be dangerous depending on how we use it. A collar can be dangerous, a, a slip lead can be dangerous, a harness can be dangerous if we're not using them correctly. So I think we've got to stop blaming the tools for harming dogs. I mean, a harness without any pressure on it does affect dog's gait, but wearing a collar doesn't. So, I mean, I know what I'd rather use on my dog. For most of us, we are very used to popping a slippery lead around our dog's neck, going out, working it, taking the slip lead off, working the dog, putting the dog back on the slip lead. And we we don't think anything of it. We know for a fact we're not hurting our dogs. Does a dog that's um, not used for working need to be in a slip lead? No, like I say, as long as you teach your dog how to walk um, and the concept of walking to heel on a loose lead and not pulling, it doesn't matter what you have on them. You can, you know, have, have whatever you like on them, whether it's a slip lead or a collar or a harness or, or whatever. Um, but I suppose it's worth bearing in mind that actually by law, you need to have a collar on your dog to go outside the house with its your tag and the details on that is law and despite what people think having it on a harness does not fit that law so even if you use a harness you still need to have a collar on your dog even in unless there's sort of a medical reason that you can justify and it works the other way as well doesn't it same with slip lead a dog on a slip lead doesn't meet the laws the laws criteria of a collar with a tag no so unless you are actively working your dog at the time all dogs need to have a collar on go on. be honest if we uh you know if i'm in a uh, a short grass field i can see in front of me the dogs have got their collars and the tags on because you know the day before i might have been on a beach with them with the kids like i i don't see an issue i just leave the collar lead on uh their collar on and i work them by just unclipping their lead i think people get almost written about it like oh you have to be simply or you have to be harnessed well we can actually mix what we work with exactly that so mine have collars to go out 
and about where I live because you know it's law um, unless they're going in thick heavy cover or water the collars stay on and actually my collars are so loose on my dogs that if they did get caught all they'd need to do is back up and they'd be free I don't like having the collars too tight on them and I've forgotten what your question was we were just talking about puritan behavior that it's okay to like one minute of a stiff lead one minute of a collar um and yeah mine will occasionally have a harness on so if I'm doing tracking with red it's a new thing that I've started doing with red where he has to track a scent for that he has a harness on because he has to pull the line along so I want him to be comfortable when he's doing that and not only that the harness signifies to him that this is what we're doing at this present time I need you to go ahead and do x y and z so we can use different tools for different things with our dogs it's not a problem do you think that um as we people sort of like learn more about how they should be working with a dog or or even just like a pet dog half love this really comes down to like you just said if you can teach them to walk to heel it doesn't really matter as much what they've got on because they're not pulling in any of them right exactly i mean you start teaching heel work without any equipment so you want your dog loose and it just trotting along next year and then it shouldn't matter what piece of equipment you add where it where it's gone slightly wrong I suppose is when people have already got a dog that pulls and then people start recommending tools or equipment to help them stop that so now we've got anti-pull harnesses that tighten up around the armpits of the dogs we've got the head halties or the figure of eights that go around the nose got slip leads we've got martingale collars we've got normal collars we've got no end of things that say that they can stop your dog pulling when in reality yes while some of them might be effective at stopping your dog from pulling it's generally because it just makes it uncomfortable for your dog to pull the only way you will genuinely teach your dog to walk nicely is to go right back to to basics and teach it what the heel position means. I've had struggles with Ella and he work and anybody who's ever listened to this podcast more than probably three episodes as you would be saying something about her. But if I'm genuinely honest, the issues were caused by me not doing enough of the correct heel work work at the beginning because it wasn't as interesting as it was throwing dummy brat. But also after God, how many how many years, Jem? Years and years. Now to the point where, like, before Jem and I started this conversation, and I was like, Jem, you'd been so impressed that she's like literally walking to heel off lead because, like, off lead heel was was nearly well, it was impossible for her at some point, but um, caused by me right at the beginning. Um, but now I think, like, like you say, if you've got that that connection, that understanding of heel work, it doesn't matter what you use, you will find it all far easier, and you're not going to need to keep going through all these different types of of uh, restrictive products just to try to them within your proximity no not at all i mean like, like i say you should be able to fingertip hold your lead as if it's not there if your dog knows how to heal it knows how to heal um, but what we find with leads and things as soon as we add a lead to a dog that can heal better off lead they almost start to rely on that lead and lean on it so they don't have to think it holds them in place and you know they don't have to use their brains it's easier for them so it's it's bearing all those bits in mind so that we can be on it and go oh no do you remember you're, you're still healing so that they don't get reliant on just leaning on the leads because I think we're all guilty of sometimes not really being bothered I just want to get my dog out and I don't really care if it leans a little bit and then the next day it leans a little bit more and then by the end of the week you've got a dog that's pulling you like a train down the road because you've not done anything about it and it's you know it's fairly comfortable for the dog to do it so it's carried on doing it and it's got there quickly when a pup is pulling it's very easy to to 
not ignore it, but you just go out to practice pulling, it's excited, it wants to go somewhere. And we sort of don't spend the right amount of time correcting at that point. And then even like like Ella, she's a small spaniel. But when she's been pulling on a lead for five minutes, my arm knows about it. And I can understand at that point why people go, oh, well, should I put a halty on? Should I put a harness on? Should I try this? Should I try this? Because it's not fun to work with a dog who doesn't heal is there no not at all i think those pieces of equipment have all got a place as well because you know there are times when we just need to get our dogs from a to b so you might want to put a management tool on like a halty or you know a harness or whatever you want to use so that you're not undoing all your hard work that you have been trying really hard to do because you are trying um so yeah I think we have got a place but you know I think we put too much emphasis on the tools and we say oh slip lids are evil oh some harnesses do this and some collars do this and actually they can all be really horrible if you use a slip lead wrong yes you probably can cause quite a bit of damage to your dog same as you could with a harness one of my pet hates with the harnesses is the ones that clip on the front because they make the dog walk almost skewed which over time is not great for their structure this sort of podcast came about a discussion about one of those and it's the first time i've seen it and uh, like I said to you, Joe, it literally looked to me like like the like the dog was crabbing with his front end. It literally had his front end turned into his into his owner, and his his head turned into his owner almost. And I just thought that's putting so much pressure on that dog's back, on his neck, on everything. It isn't making this journey, this this walk, any fun for that dog at all. No, not at all. They they look awful, don't they? Especially when they start sort of moving around the dog's body because they're a bit loose and they sort of start coming around the side. And I get why people use them because if you've got a big dog that you need to try and control their front end and get them away from something that maybe they want to get to, that might be a good option. But why can't you use a collar or a lead? And actually before that, why don't you do some work at a distance so you haven't got to have that argument with the dog and pull it away physically in the first place work on disengagement work on you know all the other bits and pieces before you need to pull your dog away what can somebody do like if they uh, listen to this and they're going oh I feel guilty because my dog is on this or they're thinking oh well you guys don't understand how bad my dog pulls you'd have my dog your dog in this if it did this what can we do to improve the situation whatever it's we're in how can we improve heel work? I think first things first, don't feel guilty about what you've got on your dog. You are all adults and it is all personal choice on what you put on your dog, no matter what we say. We've all got our personal views on bits of equipment and blah, 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 blah. And remember that every bit of equipment can be aversive if you use it incorrectly. So if you've got a problem with your dog that's pulling or, you know, it's it's been pulling for a long time, you really need to start to sort of try and press the reset button. That habit, if they've been doing it for a long time, is going to be quite ingrained um and they think that pulling gets them that opportunity to go forward and going forward for a dog is almost the same as a reward because they want to get somewhere they want to get to the next sniff they want to you know get to wherever you're going to let them off and it's sort of breaking it down again doing little bits not trying to do destination walks where you go right i've got to get from my house to the park um and i'm gonna try and make my dog heel walk the whole way now you're almost setting your up setting yourself up to fail in that respect because your dog goes there every day and wants to get there as quick as possible and knows the route and knows the routine so work on practicing your heel work in little sessions so do some in the garden do some in the playing field drive 
to where you'd normally let your dog off and do five minute heel work just in figures of eights and turns and twists and things and start building that reward history for that loose lead and I'm not going to say too much more because we cover this in great detail in other stuff Joe, don't we yeah we do it in our master classes it tells people exactly how to do it step by step but I think it is good for us to have touched upon it is really just a case of like going back to basics and knowing that you can get it like even if you think about it as you were chatting then I was thinking if your dog is good on a on a lead like excellent on a lead it doesn't hurt to go back to basics and and give some rewards for it and you know and just reinforce the good behaviors that sometimes I think we can all take advantage of especially like if your dog is good at something we forget that we can actually still reward them for a job well done yeah we we do get a bit slack and we get a bit complacent at things our dogs do well and we know that actually if we stop rewarding a behavior over time that behavior will start to erode and we'll lose it and it won't be quite as driven as maybe it was um so it is important to occasionally reward our dogs when they're doing the right thing so mine still now when they do a good retrieve or they've done a few retrieves i will still reward them and give them a treat for you know a job well done because i want them to keep that drive up for going out to get those retrieves and it's the same with our heel work it's not something that dogs innately enjoy um and they have to use their brains to sort of you know control themselves and walk with us so occasionally i am going to tell them that they're getting it right and go back to basics as well if we don't walk in what sort of things can we do like treat wise to just like um if people want to listen to like a huge conversation about this go back a couple of episodes ago we talked about like what you can do in your environment you know it's called um you'll never be sexier than a squirrel go listen to it help with that but if we're walking around and we've got our dog in lead what sort of things can we do just to like keep on connecting with them maybe not much rewarding them but just like just checking in with them and, and keeping that that link there so if you've trained your voice well enough through the initial process so you're going to verbally praise and then treat or fuss or whatever you use to reward your dog your voice should be a quite valuable thing to your dog as long as you're not constantly talking to them and it's sort of lost its value so if you're walking along every so often a nice good dog or well done or yes or whatever they're doing it's just enough to sort of you know keep them engaging you can make funny little noises I make all sorts of weird noises with my cockers occasionally I'm sure people think I've got Tourette's walking down the road there'll be the odd sort of um but yeah keep that connection with them if that means stopping so that they have to sort of realize that you've stopped and sit with you and then carry on again do that or if it means tapping your thigh anything it all depends on dog to dog um and until you've got it consistently you need to be as unpredictable as you can to your dog so they're actually following you rather than just zoning out walking down a straight road and that that is part of it isn't it we can tend to zone out on a walk and then the dog zones out and really it's just not a productive time for our relationship if you've thought of a walk as going on a date or going on a meal you you really have to put some effort into making it interesting yeah we get to the point where we're both sort of equally on our phones so the dog's on its phone over there sniffing something we're on our phone walking down the road and we're totally disengaged um and at that point that is when you start to have pulling creeping in again fantastic uh for those of you who have enjoyed this week's um amazing podcast with gem there is a blog to go with it you can find it on www.ladiesworkingdoggroup.com forward slash free content blog is there for this and for our other podcasts and for many other topics too far more than what we'll probably cover on the podcast Gem, do you have any last top tips for anybody listening who, who's thinking shall i put on a sip lead shall i 
use a collar, shall I use a harness? Don't let anyone tell you what to put on your dog. Keep it simple and uncluttered. And the main thing is work on teaching your dog where it should be, regardless of what is on it. Fabulous. Thank you uh, for your super, super help as always. And thank you to all our listeners. Please follow, subscribe, like, reply, whatever you want to do. Uh, There's so many things that we can do on social media now that I forget what I meant to say at this point too. Um, And we shall see you all next week. That's it for today's episode. A massive thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to head over to the LWDG and sign up for our membership. Get access to expert-led training, a wonderfully supportive community, and the resources you need to become a confident and skilled gun dog trainer. Let's take this journey together, because no woman should have to train her gun dog alone. We'll see you all next week.